Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, my Everyday Truth family. Glad you joined us today for today's episode. We're in Jeremiah chapter 11, and we're learning a bit about the way that God expresses his love. And we, I think, wrongly and sometimes immaturely think that the only way that love is ever expressed is in sweet sayings and kind words and good gifts. Uh, That's not always love's best expression. Uh, I think sometimes the best way love is expressed is in discipline, uh, in rebuke, It just depends on where children are, what they're doing, how love is expressed. So we learned last episode that God is loving his people by not acquiescing to their prayer, by not bailing them out in the last minute because they needed to learn this lesson that's going to help them for generations to come rather than God just bailing them out in a desperate moment. And if you don't understand all that that means, go back and listen to last episode. We talked a bit about that. But we're in verse number 15 today. And lest we think that the Lord does not retain a heart of affection for his people, even during times when he says hard things, even during times when he has to enact pretty severe judgment, we ought never to think that God has lost his affection for like a parent that has to discipline a child and says things like, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. That's actually a very true statement. Or a parent that just does not want to take something away from a child, does not want to administer that spanking or whatever the case may be, that that's our Lord in a much more pure way because his love is much more pure. Look at verse number 15 where the Lord is speaking, and it says, What hath my beloved to do in mine house, seeing she hath wrought lewdness with many? So now the Lord is speaking metaphorically of his people as if his people are his wife. Now, that's a common metaphor in the Old Testament that uh, God is the husband and uh, the nation of Judah or Israel, depending on the subject matter, is his bride. And watch how the Lord expresses his hurt here. What hath my beloved to do in mine house? What is my wife doing in my house, seeing she hath wrought lewdness with many? She's sleeping around. She's being unfaithful. She has all these boyfriends, and yet she comes back to my house and acts as if nothing happens. Well, that's exactly what was happening. Remember, they were still coming to the temple, the great Solomon temple, beautiful temple. They were still going through the motions. They were still acting like God's wife. They were still offering sacrifices. They were still playing the game, so to speak, like maybe a wife that's out there doing everything and and having all these unfaithful relationships and yet coming home and still cooking dinner and acting as if nothing's wrong. 
See what the Lord's saying? This is my beloved, the one I love. How, what, what is she doing? Verse number 15, it goes on to say, uh, and, and the holy flesh is passed from thee. So holy flesh, the sacrifices that people would offer in the temple. You know, you're, you, how can you at once act like my faithful bride and bring the, this holy sacrifice to me? I'm going to take that away, said the Lord. And he goes on to say, verse number 15, when thou doest evil, then thou rejoicest. It, it's, it's not even that you are doing wrong and coming home. It's you're doing wrong, coming home, acting as if nothing has ever happened and rejoicing. You're laughing, you're happy, you're content. And here am I, your husband. Here am I, the one who loves you, who provides for you who has given his life to you, and this is what you're doing to me. So we we get a sense of the hurt that God is feeling. We get a sense of the love that God feels toward his bride and the, the sense of betrayal. Look at verse number 16. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree. Here's another metaphor, like the metaphor of a husband and wife. Now it's like the Lord, like, made you, you're his special olive tree. The olive tree is the most important tree in Israel. I mean, olives are such a big part of the culture there. Well, all that the olive produces, both in the the virgin oil used for the temple, for for uh, worshiping the Lord, uh, oil used for cooking, oil used for lamps, to uh, for, for illumination, so light and food and worship and all of it is related. And then, of course, eating the olive and all of their diet. So the olive was a huge part of their lives. And God said, you're like my green olive tree, my productive olive tree. You're, you're, you're everything to me. Verse number 17, that thou planted thee. The, for uh, Verse number 16, I'm sorry. Verse 16, the Lord called thy name a green olive tree, fair, of goodly fruit. I mean, beautiful, producing. With the noise of great tumult, he hath kindled fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. What a contrast. First part of the verse, green and lovely and fair and fruitful. And the last half of the the verse, dry and broken and brittle and burning. Such is the nature of rebellion that it rots us, that it dries us, that it makes us totally barren and unfruitful, good for nothing but firewood. Verse number 17, for the Lord of hosts that planted thee hath pronounced evil against thee for the evil of the house of Israel and of the house of Judah, which they have done against themselves to provoke me to anger in offering incense unto Baal. See what the Lord is saying? The Lord is saying, you know, I'm the same one that gave you life. I'm the one that nurtured you. I'm the one that fertilized you. I was responsible for your fruitfulness and your pleasantness. And yet you have become the very opposite of what I intended for you to be through your free choice and evil choice. And you've chosen to worship Baal instead of worshiping the very one whose life you you owe yourself to. Look at verse number 18. And the Lord hath given me knowledge of it. 
Okay, this is kind of a break, and I want you to see it. So verses 15 through 17, the Lord is really speaking about his hurt, his love for God's people, and yet the way they've responded to him. I've been a faithful husband. You've been an unfaithful wife. I've been a faithful farmer planting. You've been an unfaithful tree and not producing, not fruitful, good for nothing. So we see a couple of metaphors that justify the, the hurt of God toward his own people. And now we see the, the rest of the chapter, verses 18 through 23, we see Jeremiah as the follower of God also has been rejected. And this should not surprise us. The Lord Jesus told us this as New Testament disciples, that their servant is not greater than his Lord. And if they rejected Jesus, if Jesus was misunderstood and and abused, then it should not be um, an amazing thing when his followers are also misunderstood. If he suffered, then we suffer. That's the whole teaching of First Timothy, or rather First Peter chapter number two. So in verses 15 through 17, the Lord laments his rejection by the people that ought to love him and accept him. And then in verses 18 through 23, Jeremiah laments. Why? Because his peers, fellow priests, remember he was the son of a priest, fellow communicators of God's word, the fellow townspeople of his hometown of Anathoth, they rejected him as well. And for a season, Jeremiah knew nothing about it. Look at verse number 18. The Lord hath, hath given me knowledge of it. So I didn't know anything until God made me aware of it. The Lord gave me knowledge of it, and I know it. Now I know. Then thou showest me their doings. God, you showed me what they were up to. Verse number 19. But I was like a lamb or an ox that is brought to the slaughter. I knew not that they had devised devices against me saying, let us destroy the tree with the fruit thereof and let us cut him down. Let him, let him, let, let us cut him off from the land of the living that his name may be remembered, uh, may be no more remembered, remembered. What's Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah saying, I knew nothing that they had these plots against me. And just as there was a conspiracy against the Lord, so there was a conspiracy against me. And the Lord showed me, said, Jeremiah, they're after you. Jeremiah, they, they have no good intention toward you. Why didn't Jeremiah see it? Probably because the people were two-faced, because they were saying one thing to his face, but had a very different motivation uh, in their heart. And Jeremiah was living in danger among his own town people, uh, townspeople. He was living in danger among people that even proclaimed the word of God on the outside and yet had duplicitous motives in the heart. Look at verse number 20, but O Lord of hosts, so remember that's the, 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 the name of the God that fights for us, the God of the army, but O Lord of hosts that judges righteously, thou triest the reins in the heart. Lord, you know what's really going on on the inside of these men. You know their motives and you can fight for me. Let me see thy vengeance on them. For unto thee have I revealed my cause. So how did Jeremiah respond to fellow ministry servants who had it out for him? How did Jeremiah respond to these people that 
he wasn't even aware were after him and would have killed him if they could. But when he became aware of it, when God revealed to Jeremiah their true motives, Jeremiah just went to the Lord on it. He didn't go fight. He didn't start a campaign, didn't write an article uh, on Twitter. <laughs> he, what he did is he took it to the Lord. Lord, you need to take care of this. Lord, I'm bringing my grievance to you. Lord, vengeance is not mine, it's yours. And so, Lord, in your time, according to your sovereignty, in your purpose, take vengeance. Lord, I'm leaving this up to you. Verse number 21 Therefore, thus saith the Lord of uh, saith the Lord of the men of Anathoth. So here's kind of God's response. Jeremiah responds properly. He brings it to the Lord. Lord, I'm I'm waiting on you. I'm relying upon you to do what's right in this situation. So now God speaks, and here's what He says about those men of Anathoth that seek thy life, saying, "Here's what they were saying: Prophesy not in the name of the Lord, that thou die not by our hand." So what what was the pressure? that these people were putting on Jeremiah, quit preaching. Quit preaching that negative message. Quit telling people what you say God told you. If you'll just shut up, then we'll leave you alone. But if you keep on preaching, you keep that up, Jeremiah. You keep on standing at the gate of the temple. You keep on preaching this message of doom and gloom. Then we're going we're gonna to silence you one way or the other. That's what they were saying. God says, I know what they're saying. I know how they're trying to intimidate you. Verse number 22, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, behold, I will punish them. God says, Jeremiah, leave it up to me. I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. What, what is God saying? God is saying, these people that are denying the veracity of your message will be part of, will be part of the the invasion. When Babylon comes, they're not going to escape. They're going to see one day. Now, it's not today. It might not be tomorrow or next week, but they're going to see one day when the invasion takes place that you were right and they were wrong. And the implication is, and you will be protected until that day. Last verse I'll read, verse 23, and there shall be no remnant of them. No, they're, they're going to be gone. I will bring evil upon the man of Anathoth, now think about it. That was the place of the priests. That was the small little town where the priests came from. God said, listen, I'm not a respecter of persons. If they won't believe the word I've given them, if they won't practice the religion I have uh, I have assigned them, uh, then they too will be judged. Even the year of their visitation, uh, there will come a time when their time is up. So, Wow. What a sober word, and yet what a satisfying word. Because God is saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I know you're going through it. It might get worse before it gets better as my servant, but you're not going through anything that I'm not going through. So together, together, let's stand. And that's what the Lord says to you today. Hey, you're not going through what I didn't go through. We're going through the same thing. I know, I understand, I'm in control. You can trust me. I hope that helps. We're done with chapter 11. We'll jump right into a brand new chapter next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.